Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show, with your featured host, Shah McCain, a forensics counselor, psychic, writer, artist, modern-day Christian mystic, and UFO experiencer. Shah introduced guests who are experts on all aspects of the paranormal and the sacred. The Paranormal and the Sacred Radio Show has been featured on Blog Talk Radio as staff pick. And now, for your host, Hello, everybody. I'm wishing you a very beautiful evening here in Southern California. And uh, I know that we're all on edge. We want to know just who our president's going to be. There's a lot. (laughs) We're waiting and waiting. And I I, I saw a meme with everybody. You know how you're waiting for the thing to to get done in the oven? So a lot of people are like staring into the oven like they've been staring at the TV, waiting for us to get some action around here. Anyway, and I guess Nevada's lallygagging, but I haven't heard in the last uh, little while. So anyway, you know, we have a very important and uh, uh, informational show tonight on uh, Lyme disease. And I'd like you to... to uh, Listen to this for a minute. Chris Newby, she's the author and researcher of Lyme disease, and uh, she's an award-winning science writer at Stanford University and the senior producer of Lyme disease doc- documentary, uh, Under Our Skin, which premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival and was a 2010 Oscar semifinalist. New- Newby has two degrees in engineering, a bachelor's degree from the University of Utah, and a master's degree from Stanford University. So listen up, because we need to get an education tonight. Previously, Newby was a technology writer for Apple and other Silicon Valley companies, and we will also be discussing her new book, Bitten. I'd like to, at this point, welcome Chris Newby to the show. Hi, Chris. You're live. Hi, Shar. Thank you so much for um, inviting me on to talk about ticks, my favorite eight-legged creature. Now, I didn't know until I read part of your book that they're kind of related to the spiders. Yes, they're arthropods uh, in the arachnid family, so eight-legged creatures. Um, Yeah, blood suckers. That's that's disgusting, the little bastages. So it's uh, I'm going to say something that's going to horrify everybody everywhere, but I was unloading an Amazon box. And I took out the last item, and on the bottom of the box lie a an tick that you, you described in your book. It looked like a one of those golden raisins, but it was it was all dried out and dead because I, I don't know how long it had been in there. But this is how the little creeps can get around. You know, they can they're in a a box from Amazon. Uh, 
I was so horrified when I saw that. I just went, oh, my God, these bastages are everywhere because I have a dread of being bitten by ticks. Yeah, uh, arachnophobia, I guess you could say. And they're spread a lot of different ways. I mean, a, a lot of us uh, are bitten because the ticks attach to our pets, and they're in our house all the time, and in our beds and on our couches, and you can get bitten that way. They're spread by birds, some birds. So that's another way they move around on deer, other mammals, little bunny rabbits, etc. Yeah, and I and I did read um, how uh, you said they can actually uh, sense the carbon dioxide in our breathing. And uh, first of all, before we get into all this, I have to congratulate you on your Nautilus Award. Congratulations! Oh, thank you. And I, and I recently won a second International Book Award too. So uh, one was for. Um, investigative journalism, and the other one was for narrative nonfiction. So really what narrative nonfiction is, it's sort of an emerging genre, and it's where you take really boring history and you weave it in with a story, which is a little bit harder than straight history. Um, but So my book is a story of my family's experience with Lyme disease and then my, then, um, my pursuit in figuring out why Lyme disease is probably the most controversial disease in America. And, and through that, I run into Willie Brookdorfer, who's the guy who discovered the bacterium that causes Lyme disease. And his very interesting life as a, a weaponizer of fleas, ticks, and mosquitoes during the Cold War. Yeah, I read that, and that was actually my first question. Do you want to tell us about him a little bit? Yeah, so, um, you know, Willie Brookdorfer, the the public story about Willie Bergdorfer is in 1982. He published um, an article saying that the the really scary epidemic during the 70s uh, that they started calling Lyme arthritis. Um, he he was called in to investigate that, and he discovered that it was caused by tick bites and a little bacterium called a spirochete, which is shaped like a corkscrew and that causes what we now call Lyme disease. So that's the public story. But when I got deep into my research with the film and my book, um, what I discovered is that Willy Bergdorfer, who came over from Switzerland, he's Swiss-German in 1952, he was immediately recruited into the Biological Weapons Program, which was as large as the Manhattan Project Nuclear mm -hmm. Weapons Program, but it was its goal was to develop stealth weapons of biological organisms live, including insects stuffed with viruses and bacterium. So he was um, a medical zoologist and a tick specialist, so he was part of figuring out how to stuff the eight-legged bugs with germs, sometimes multiple germs, and package them so they could be dropped from trains, planes, and automobiles, and boats. Oh, great! That's <laughs> I know. The thing is, so I mean, it was you, okay. It was you can go ahead and you, yeah, you can go ahead and do that. You know, and you're famous for doing that. Like a lot of stuff that came out of that era, you know, the '50s and the Cold War and all this other stuff and the the Nazi stuff and all that, you know, but you can't control a biological weapon. It'll, it'll, especially one that has legs. 
Right. And the final, I mean, these were very covert secret operations. And finally, someone, uh, you know, raised, I mean, the public started getting outraged. I think one of the events that happened that made people wake up, made them woke, was that at Dugway Proving Grounds in the middle of Utah, they were doing Mm -hmm. um, nerve gas experiments, like releasing nerve gas um, over a test field from a plane, and there was a circular bullseye down there with guinea pigs and mice and stuff, and and so they were spraying it to see how effective they could be at killing all these guinea pigs, assuming that it would be a battalion of enemies at some time down the road. And the um, there was a leak in the sprayer and uh, unfavorable winds, and the nerve gas blew over to the valley nearby mm-hmm. and killed about uh, 2,000 to 6,000 sheep, depending on how you count them. Uh, and, you know, that, that really was to everybody just, waking up to, you know, in order to deploy a chemical or biological weapon, you have to have hundreds of tests to make sure it's, it's precise and accurate and, and viable in the field. And that involved a lot of testing on, like, civilians and Americans, and people said enough is enough. And so in 1952, they canceled the chemical and biological warfare program, supposedly. <laughs> so that's what I was just going to say. That's, that's the year I was born, actually, and... Uh... I did no idea this is all interrelated to all that weirdness that we're still to this day suffering from. Still, you know, the Manhattan, you know, the, you know, that, what they did, uh, do you remember Love Canal and all that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, this, this uh, relates because what happened uh, for my listeners that don't know about Love Canal the army and also love love well he left the big ditch uh, he didn't complete a project i guess he wanted to create a venice in near uh niagara falls near that area and he wanted to make like a venice so he could but anyway he ran out of funds and he couldn't get backers so he left this big ditch of the con- the supposed canals and so the army started using the, that that and uh, they were doing who knows what kind of uh, – well, it was all biological weapon stuff and uh, radiation material and all that was poured into this love canal along with all the trash in the community. Then they put a cap on it. Then after they so-called buried it all, you can't bury radiation. I mean, come on. You can, but it takes you know, it takes a lot of doing to cover it up, but you can't cover it up with just a hole in the ground. But anyway – so they put houses on it, and eventually all this began to leak. And then we have disasters like Love Canal and people getting sick and cancers and stuff like that. So um, we have really uh, gone out of our way to uh, hurt Mother Nature for some reason, very careless. Yeah, another example that came out of the same place, uh, which is Fort Detrick, Maryland, that's the headquarters of chemical and biological warfare is, for example, the Agent Orange, uh, the Vietnam defoliant. Great. Um, Okay, now, I knew, I knew, okay, Kim, I knew that uh, why I did want to do this story is because I knew it had something to do with me. You know what I mean? Okay, I had a friend who got bitten by uh, 
an insect, you know, the, the tick, and she got Bell's palsy. The whole side of her face froze. You know what I mean? It was pretty bad. But I had a dream just before it happened that this was going to happen to her. But her husband wouldn't leave her because she couldn't shut her eyes to sleep at night. She had to put bandage. It was pretty horrific. And my husband, my ex, well, estranged husband, we're not actually divorced for 30 years. as a Vietnam veteran exposed to Agent Orange. I fought so hard to the Agent Orange issue because they tried to just sweep under the carpet. They The Army wasn't helping anybody. You know, and, you know, the the people that were dumping Agent Orange were warned this is a carcinogen. Uh, so anyway, my, my husband was exposed uh, in uh, Chi Chi, Vietnam, uh, and he had 20 years it took to show up, but he got non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And we had, I, I was so angry with the Army anyway, but I went to, I went to war with our own uh, – government on the behalf of our our soldiers and people exposed to Agent Orange. And my husband got the first payout from the Agent Orange Fund. Hmm. So this is, uh, I know, this is like um, once, okay, this is what happened. Once you hurt like a wife, a mother, once you hurt ours, you've had it. I don't think people realize that women have power. You know, I think we're finally, the new, this generation coming up is realizing how powerful women are. Like you have taken science, you know, and written about it intelligently. And I really love your style of writing. It's very, oh, uh, you. you're like a science person, you know, you're a, science, a real scientist. And we need more, more people like you because uh, this, this, I was so hurt as I know, that's my next question for you. That I know that you and your husband were so hurt by this disease, but when the Agent Orange thing came down, the weird thing about it is I found the lump on his neck. And when I was 15, I was studying Agent Orange at 15 years old, believe it or not. So I asked him, "What area of Vietnam were you in?" And he told me, "Chu Chi." I said, "This lump." I took him to my doctor, and she knew it was cancer. I knew it when I when I saw it. You know, so it turned. It ended up with all of his whole body. Non-Hodgkin's lymphoma is a horror. He had like baseball-sized tumors under his armpits. Mm. You know what I mean? And and it was angered me that uh, we would do this to our own people, then not protect them. So I had to really fight. And Alan Cranston over here in California, by some, we were at the kitchen table, and he was very cranky soldier. I mean, he mean, you know, they come back mean. They don't come back. Not all of them come back nice. A lot of them come back. He, he came back mean and he was yelling about something. I said, you know what? I'm calling Washington. He said, look, he laughed right in my face. I mean, you know, about you, ha 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 in a mean way. And I, yeah. I got up, I went to the phone. I called Washington and bizarrely got a hold of Alan Cranston's office in Washington. He was head over the Agent Orange legislation. I told them my issue. My story got on the front page of the local newspaper here because I wrote the story to the the newspaper that soldiers Mm -hmm. were still dying from the issue in Vietnam. So it got front page news. People said, what should you do? I said, you got a right to push this bill through Congress. And they did, you know, and uh, somebody, this one man, uh, congressman told me there's no such bill. I went, oh, really? And he lied to me. 
and I'll never forget that. I felt betrayed because no matter what side the the wall, wall you're on, Debra, you know, a Democrat or Republican or Libertarian or whatever, this is all our government, all our people, right? For the people. And to have one of them people lie straight to your face, he had to write me a letter of apology. I was wow. so irate. So go ahead and get me mad. You're going to see what's going to happen. Well, you know, one, I, of the good outcome, will, uh, one of the good outcomes good. of the book was that uh, Chris Smith of New Jersey, who's, uh, you know, his, his state has been really impacted by tick-borne diseases, and he has a lot of military bases there, too. Um, he read the book, and he was outraged. And, in, and on C-SPAN, when he was putting together the Department of Defense budget, he said, this book is really credible. It's outrageous. You know, if we if it's half of it's true, if we really experimented with ticks, stuffed them with diseases, and somehow they escaped, and this is what it was driving this really freaky outbreak of three different tick-borne diseases in the late 60s and 70s, he says we need to investigate it. So he added a budget line to to do a GAA report, GAO report on okay government, please release the records on, you know, what insect or bug-borne diseases you stuffed with germs and where you release them and whether or not your scientists develop ways to protect our soldiers because if there are cures out, out there that are still classified because they don't even want to admit they were messing with these germs, then can it help our scientists today to know, you know? So yeah. that's what, you know, that was a really great outcome that uh, Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, I have a quote about your book, and it says, it turns a Cold War mystery story, medical memoir, and dogged investigation, Bitten reveals groundbreaking evidence that sheds important new light on the genesis and evolution of one of the most baffling and controversial diseases of our time. It's by The quote was by Charles Pillory's investigative correspondent with, in science. Uh, I I, I think it is important that uh, your book is read, and but but look what's coming out of it though is uh, you you have really uh, tell us okay tell us how your story started because you and your husband were on Martha's Vineyard at the beach having a beautiful time and I love that picture of you guys you know you got quite a, a handsome couple why don't you tell us how this whole started yeah so 2002. We took our two middle school boys to Martha's Vineyards Island right off of Massachusetts, uh, came home to California, and two weeks later we were just sicker with uh, than we've ever been with flu-like symptoms, with COVID-like symptoms. You know, it's just like crushing fatigue, muscle aches, headaches, chills, fevers, the works. And so, you know, we looked at each other in bed on a Sunday night and said, we cannot go to work. We were so sick. So we went to our primary care physician, and if you're a healthy person, in the modern medical system, your doctor doesn't even know you, right? So we go in there and they say, well, it's probably just a virus. Come back in a week if it's still bad. We went back in three days because this is seriously bad. And and then they said, no, it's a virus. I talked to the specialists here. Go away. You know, and so we had that kind of mm-hmm. back and forth with our primary care and specialists. So that went on for a year and 10 doctors and $60,000. And at the end of it, we still didn't know what was wrong with this. And every one of those 10 doctors, I'm an engineer, so I was like really organized on sort of the symptom progression. And and so every doctor, I said, hey, could this be Lyme disease? Like on Martha's Vineyard, Lyme disease is a huge problem. There were signs all over the place saying, beware of ticks. 
the person I visited sent me a brochure before I went out there, do tick checks, yes. but they just all said, no, it's just rare. And then for that year, every day of that year, we we would have like a good day, and then three days later, it was just like worse than ever. So it was up and down and up and down for a year. And, you know, at about eight months, I, I said, oh, my gosh, I think we're dying, <laughs> and we're going to leave our mm. kids for orphans. But uh, and then finally we got to the, we gave up on our local doctor and we went to a large academic medical center and we went to the best of the best infectious disease doctors there and two of them sat and you know scratched their chin and then they they took about twelve they did twelve tests on us including tropical sprue and syphilis and AIDS and I said you know I don't think that's it but they finally tested us for Lyme disease and my test came back negative and. They said, uh, "Oh, we don't. That's that test is no good. Uh, you know, it's not very reliable." And they, and I said, "No. Well, then why did it was the first test that was positive for a year?" And they said, "Well, why did if it's unreliable, why did you take it?" And I made him do it again, yeah. it again, and and then he fired both of us as patients, uh, which I just was stunned because by this time I'm just so sick and depressed and. Uh, our last doctor had told us we're crazy and we're just hypochondriacs. We just had, you know, chronic, like imagine having all the bad diseases at once, chronic fatigue, Alzheimer's, because you have brain fog, you can't think, you can't do normal things. Like I would be at a stoplight and I couldn't remember what red, green, and yellow meant on the stop stoplight. Yeah. Uh, and multiple sclerosis because you got twitchy muscles and muscle pains and irritable bowel, bowel syndrome. You know, and they say it's in our head. No. <laughs> you know, so anyways, they fired us. It was really crushing. And then I get back on the Internet, and I just found, you know, then I Is discovered there's Is that even ethical? Is that even ethical? Um, I personally think it's a violation of the Hippocratic Oath. I mean, that's exactly what I'm thinking. Go ahead. But that's uh, that's very common with Lyme patients because – and that's what I realized is once I found a specialist, there was a specialist that treated a lot of tick-borne diseases, so she knew what she was doing. She, I, I started going through my mega-page spreadsheet on her symptoms. She goes, stop, stop. That is classic Lyme. First of all, you were in a place where Lyme disease was endemic. The, you know, the symptoms are classic. She, gave, she did a full panel of tick-borne diseases and found that we had two tick-borne diseases. We had Lyme disease and this uh, it used to be a cattle parasite, babesiosis. It's like malaria, and you know, for people who are mm-hmm. have weak immune systems, they can be fatal. Um, so, anyways, then we started on the road to treatment. And as the deeper I got into it, that year of the first year of treatment, it it took five years really to get fully back. Uh, a lot of My God. treatment, um, on and off, not continual. But that's when I realized that. What they were saying about Lyme disease uh, in the medical literature and on CDC site was not what people were experiencing in the field. And, and one of the reasons people were experiencing different symptoms is because, you know, as Willie Bergdorfer, the guy who discovered Lyme bacterium, said, there's no such thing as a clean tick. Most of the time a tick has at least two diseases in it that might make you sick, you know. And when you have two diseases inside you and the tick, when it bites you, it suppresses your immune system for a week or so, you know, the germs get a head start, you're really sick, and you have crazy sets of symptoms that don't match what's in the textbook that was read by your doctor in the 80s, you know. So yeah. 
then I started this crusade. It's like, well, all we need is a film, and then everybody will see what's going on. So I worked for three and a half years with uh, Andy Abrahams with Open Eye Pictures, and we did an educational film about Lyme disease called Under Our Skin, which really showed the patient side of the story and showed the politics and sort of the money that was corrupting what was happening in medicine with Lyme disease. And uh, so uh, anybody can see it now for free if they have Amazon Prime. But it's a good introduction if you don't know about the politics of the disease and how if you're bitten by a tick, you really need to fight for care because there's just a lot of misinformation about it and sort of a diminishing it, poo-pooing it. Oh, it's not that big of a deal. And, and I'm saying, you know, after interviewing hundreds and hundreds of people and experts, it can be a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. And, I, you know, I, there's a, a purpose to what happened to you. I know it's really horrible, but I saw like a, a purpose because you would be the one person that would write a book, whole book about it, have a film about it. You know, you were the one that, to, you know, that's, it's a, uh, I admire that and uh, that you could even have the energy to keep going is, is incredible because, uh, you know, my my husband was going through chemo. I don't know what your treatment is. That's why I wanted to ask you what's the treatment for uh, what the disease you had. But going through people that are sick and angry, uh, it's terrible. And a lot of the people were just dying, you know, uh, that have this disease. They just now it's a big thing I noticed on on the well, it's a defolent agent orange is a defolent, but now it's on TV. It's in weed killer. It's the same crap, and it's that same biological mess that they actually had a big – I remember I, I was reading a newspaper, and they had a big, huge spill of the Agent Orange chemicals in Africa, and it went right into the ocean. And it's uh, – and of course, who, you know, people that are producing this crap that knew very well, you know, that it's uh, – okay, so I'm going to tell you what's going on over here. So I live in Torrance, and there's a, there's a factory here that used to be called Dow. So me and my friend, uh, she works for Northrop. We were watching this sign. We've been watching this sign since the 60s, right? The Dow Chemical Company. They used to be really proud of it. Big Dow. Then the sign started shrinking. So we started, <laughs> we would go by the building and say, oh, my God, they changed the sign again. You know, and we go by, and there were all these renditions. So the next to the last rendition was a little tiny Dow with a little green leaf by it. You know, saying this company is the one that manufactured Agent Orange, the breast implants that women had the, all these problems with, and the autoimmune system problems, and all that. Now they're called Amsgray or something like that. <laughs> they changed mm-hmm. their name, and this mm-hmm. they got this Amsgray or Amsty. It's pretty stupid. Uh, and Dow kind of bowed out its name, but it, if you look Amstai up, you know, it just got a big award from Dow. So it's all mm-hmm. the same crap. It's not going away. They're very invested in this, um, you know, unclean chemistry against humans. Why are they, why? What's, well, why? <laughs> I guess money. I guess Monday. But, you know, back to the fate thing is uh, yes. a lot of times during this, which is over 10 years now, I've been in the sort of tick 
crimes against humanity ticks business. Yes. And it's just that I, you know, after I did the film, I thought, well, I'm done with this. I've, I've given my pound of flesh. I'm going to move on. But then two really freaky things happened, which was a fork in the road. You know, you have to decide. I mean, I, I, mean, I got over this horrible disease. I'm normal now. Now I need to move on with my life. And well, I'll just let everybody else, do, you know, to deal with the mess that's left behind. But yes. so just as the film Under Our Skin, it was a, uh, it was an Oscar semifinalist um, in 2010, and you know I was just exhausted because it was five years once you did the film and then the marketing part. And so I said to my husband, "Okay, I'm done with Lyme disease. I'm passing the torch." But then, like two weeks later, uh, a documentarian uh, who was like me went went to see Willie Bergdorfer, and after a really long interview, about three hours, he got Willie Bergdorfer to admit that. Hey, uh, I think when I went out to Lyme, Connecticut to investigate this outbreak in Nantucket, et cetera, I think what I saw there was some of the things we worked on in the biological weapons lab in Dietrich, you know, in the 50s and 60s. So that was like, oh, wow. (laughs) You know, he was old, really old in his 80s. He had advanced Parkinson's. Uh, So, you know, if you're a journalist, you can't just have one source. But I thought, well, he has the most to lose by saying I was lying about the discovery of Lyme disease. There were other organisms there that may have been bioweapons. So he had the most to lose. So I said, well, that's a lot. And then a couple weeks later, uh, I ran across, uh, he's a confidential source, but he was a CIA black ops guy during the 60s. And he said, he was just telling me all these like really horrible things he did in Vietnam. And then at the end of it, he goes, well, the weirdest thing I ever did was they sent me over Cuba the Cuban sugarcane fields in 1962, and I dropped two boxes of infected ticks on the sugarcane workers. <laughs> he said that was weird. And then he went back oh home to Texas, and he had a brand-new baby at home, and I guess some of those bugs had gotten on his clothes, and the baby got really, really sick. So, you know, the thing is, you can't prove it, but he says, I think whatever I dropped on the Cubans brought it home, and it almost killed my son. Uh, That's what happens. So, so, so anyways, what, after that, it was like, well, this is like God telling me, you're not done yet. And so that started this five-year process of seeing if what Willie said was true and then trying to get enough proof to make other people believe it. Because it is just, on some level, if you're not into the Cold War craziness that happened, the T- yeah. Tuskegee experiment, Agent Orange, the Manchurian yes. LSD, you might not believe it, but the tick thing is not even the worst thing that happened in the Cold War. But anyways, my no. story was Willy Bergdorfer, how he was a young scientist, 26, 27, when he came to Montana to work for the NIH, how he got sucked into the biological weapons program and started doing really bad stuff, putting plague in fleas, a uh, really deadly yellow fever into mosquitoes and some of the most deadly tick-borne diseases stuffing those ticks with those diseases and all in the interest of creating a stealth weapon you drop insects on the enemy you vaccinate your own soldiers and it's a great weapon it's stealth no one knows you did it there's no fingerprints on those ticks and then you weaken the whole population so it's easier for the foot soldiers to come in and take over the town. Well, that's rather disgusting. 
I mean, really? I know, but so I mean, it's, part it's of so what's stupid. happening now. What part of what's happening in our nation is uh, this? It's been 50 years since all this stuff went on, yeah. and all these documents are starting to be de- declassified. But if you look across the government, we're we're starting to say, "Wow, this government is like way more corrupt than I realized." It's, it's sort of like uh, weeds. Uh, if you have a you know your garden, by the time the weeds. Yes. Greeny, green leaves pop up, there is just like a huge root system underneath there. And that's what we're seeing with the government, you know, and we're saying, let's pull those weeds now. This is, you know, yeah. our government. I think especially the young people coming up are so damn sick of it. I mean, all of us are are ready and uh, hopefully uh, we'll make some, you know, radical changes. And I know it's up to the young people coming up. You know, I pray to God that they're interested in all this because this has been the the craziness that came out of the 40s and 50s uh, are still harming us today. You know, they still, you know, um, my, my husband got three forms of cancer, kidney cancer after, after he had, because I was praying for him, and it's really hard to pray for somebody that's just mean and, doesn't feel well and hates the government and blah blah, blah and this and, you know and all this all the hearing all the, and the drinking and all that but you still have to help them so I prayed for that man and I even went to St. Jude uh, the uh, you know the mascot of lost causes is, is I'm Greek Orthodox but he was Catholic so I figured well any saint will do at this point you know I was desperate so I went and I, I prayed and the churches, and, you know, I put, put hands on him and prayed at night, and he had a 100% remission from non-tosophilic lymphoma. Hmm. They, he was at level four death. He was death, cancer. He had, you know, several lumps removed, and then it just started retreating, and it actually disappeared. And uh, he went, because I went congressional with this, he gets the best treatment. You know, of course, they're frying people in the tubs like lobsters because they're careless at the VA. You know what I mean? So uh, mm-hmm. that's the hospital that he was being treated at. But they treated him like gold because they knew the eye was on him. You know, that he has a congressional thing. So they then he had kidney cancer. Then he had two forms of uh, skin cancer. I mean, really, it's just, just very despicable what uh, all these – well, the the uh, the big general that had the Age of Orange dumped, his son was in the Navy, was in those pontoons going up and down the rivers, and he, and he had to admit when his son died of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma himself, he had to admit hmm. that the, he was denying, oh, yeah, we need this stuff, we have to do this. It's because the Dow Chemical Company and the chemical companies are producing this. Agent Orange, Agent Black, Agent Yellow. It was all different colors. It was everywhere. And those people are still suffering to this day. Our our soldiers are, but they're people too. You know, their arms probably fell off for the next generation or whatever. You know what I mean? But it, it makes me angry that, um, like you said, we, we've got to change. Uh, we, there's yeah, a, thank, thank goodness there's, for people uh, like you fighting back and exposing I it. Have, do, I am going to fight back. They, I'm. I really don't like confrontation. I have a tendency to be shy. Mm-hmm. But don't get me mad. 
over this ridiculous crap you're pulling on Mother Nature and your humans. Listen, they put us in the house. You know, we got shut down in March. Within two months, dolphins were swimming in the canals in Italy. You know what I mean? This earth will renew faster than we think it will, but we've got to quit dumping crap. We've got to get off of fossil fuels. We've got to get these chemicals and poisons out, and they're doing some despicable stuff. Now, I have been um, – I'm going to tell you this. I have been a counselor, well, for the last 15 years. I'm, I guess I'm retired. I'm, I'm not sure about yet. I keep dreaming <laughs> of going back to work because, man, not working, you're broke. You know what I mean? So it's pretty yeah. bad. But anyway – but I'm at that age where you have to consider, like, when do you stop? Mm-hmm. Do I, at 68, do I just keep going? But I'm a a forensic counselor, so I counselor prisoners, pre-trial, in custody, and probation. So it's federal. Mm-hmm. The crap you hear about the federal system, it's spooky. You know what I mean? Because I had everybody in there, including the CIA and and stuff there. I was counseling all these people. You know what I mean? CIA, uh, crazy stuff, doctors. Well, we'll talk about fate. You know, it's like sometimes I ask, like, why was I the person bitten? You know, and why did I do this film? And then why did I, like, meet the guy who dropped poison ticks on Cubans, innocent Cuban field workers? You know, and then towards the end of the book, I had just downsized my dad from Oregon down to California, and he had just checked into the VA hospital, and he he goes, hey, you know what? The first thing they asked me is if I ever – he's a Navy pilot, career Navy pilot, and then he went into aerospace. The first thing they asked him is, well, were you ever exposed to Agent Orange? And he goes, oh, yeah, I delivered the first drums to Vietnam, (gasps) to Da Nang. Oh, my God. And I was – you know, first of all, I was really mad that he wouldn't think to mention this to me. He says, oh, it was a top-secret program. How, how bizarre are we even talking about this? You know, it's giving me the chills. I know. It's so all, so it, at that it's point, so strange. At that point, I'm sort of, like, beginning to believe in karma, you know, like. Yeah. My dad started it all, and and now I need to help clean it up. Because it's the same sort of CIA group that was embedded at Fort Detrick that was doing these sort of dark ops against the Cubans, the Soviets, and the Vietnamese. And it was this philosophy of total total economic warfare, at least in Cuba. Yes. It's like, that's destroy their, let's destroy their cash crop. Let's try to assassinate their leader. Let's try to get, let's draw, now, draw was that propaganda. During, that, was that during, uh, who was president at that time? Was the Cuban thing, was that under uh, Kennedy's? Yeah, so I think 61 was the Bay of Pigs. And so our intelligence yeah. was so full of holes that uh, we were really embarrassed at the Bay of Pigs invasion. And so the Kennedy brothers wanted revenge on Fidel Castro. So what they did is using with uh, this really sort of evil mastermind, General Lansdale, they came up with this uh, Cuba project, which was then called Operation Mongoose, and it had you know maybe 100 ideas um, how to destroy the Cuban economy and assassinate Cuba. Like one of their ideas was um it's called the Limpet program, which <laughs> Limpet's a, a shell under the ocean. Uh they they got a conch shell and they put an explosive in it because they knew that Fidel Castro liked to deep sea dive and they were thinking, Oh, you see this beautiful pink glossy conch shell on, on the bottom of yeah, the ocean I have where one. he usually dives. And yeah. 
he picks it up and explodes, you know, but for some reason, uh, there were 600 plots, I think, to assassinate Castro, and he, there's a documentary on that, if you ever want to see it. He can't be killed. He can't be killed. Some people, some people, well, he just, well, people listening that don't know what we're talking about, I wish you would learn about this, because we've lived through it, so we know what's going on, but, you know, people don't, don't know that uh, whether Castro's alive or not. <laughs> I heard his son took over. But it's sketchy on whether he did. I don't think he'll ever die. He's part of the living <laughs> He's dead He's definitely now. dead, finally, but out of natural causes. Who would have thought? I yeah, mean, if he read, got old. If you, read these, if you read these Operation Mongoose things, they were... They had exploding cigars. They were going to spray a horrible skin fungus on the inside of his wetsuit. Uh, they were going to try to inject him with syphilis. Dang. Poison playing cards. It just went on and on. You just can't. It can't. It doesn't matter. He. There's some reason the guy was protected, and uh, he was supposed to just live out. Oh, like he had a lot of audacity because he came to America. You know what I mean? When he was younger. Mm-hmm. We 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 uh welcomed him and took him to dinner. <laughs> <laughs> I remember seeing it in the newspaper. Okay, Castro's here at whatever it is in New York, uh, and uh, they're feeding him like a king. Like, what is wrong with this picture? We, you know, it's really crazy to me. You know, if if, if people yeah. remember, I don't know if you remember that him being here in America and being treated no, I, like I a celebrity. Celebrity, he was. I have to look it up to be sure I know what I'm talking about. But I remember that seeing the newspaper, uh, I was very young, but I remember stuff so far back, it's crazy. The stuff that I remember was actually my parents being brought up. So I go back even to the 30s and 40s remembering the movies they watched. You know, So uh, I, w- I was watching all this stuff happening, and they t- constantly talked about World War II, constantly. So my first job was I was a – one of the rare female paper girls for the Washington Post, and it was during the Watergate. So I always like to say that was my first introduction cool. to uh, investigative journalism, you know, because every morning I'd be up at 5 a.m. and I'd see what the headlines are. Who is this John Dean and Haldeman? Yeah. And who cares? <laughs> so anyways, but here's here's another point I want to make about the book, and this is really important. Like, why do we care about this ancient stuff that happened in the 50s and 60s? So with the biological weapons, it's what you were saying earlier. It's like we need to know as humans we can't control nature. Nature will always win, uh, especially when you're dealing with insects, which reproduce and genetically mutate faster than us. So, you know, here what – I mean, what my book shows is – we dropped infected ticks on Cuba, and yeah, of course, birds would carry them up to, to America or down to South America. Oh. We uh, we had this program where we were gonna we made hundreds of thousands of ticks radioactive, and we dropped them in uh, near Norfolk, Virginia, you know, to see using a Geiger counter, we could see how far they crept per month per year. And, you know, that's so, oh, if we dropped them on the Soviets, we could see how, you know, how big of an area they would infect, stuff like that. And, you know, uh, after those, they dropped these ticks that were non-native on the eastern seaboard, and they're really aggressive, and they spread more diseases. And sure enough, like two years after they did these open-air experiments with radioactive ticks, the birds on the seabirds carried them up to Long Island and around Long Lyme, Connecticut, you know, the, the estuary there. So, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you, it's really hard to prove cause and effect. I mean, one reason they were a great stealth weapon is, like I said, no fingerprints on the ticks. But I have enough of these stories where you go, yeah, maybe this outbreak of these freaky new three freaky tick-borne diseases in the, in the late 60s were because of these experiments. Now, why is that important? Well, we had a Zika outbreak a couple of years ago in Brazil, and it came up to America, and we decided, well, let's genetically modify mosquitoes, uh, and that'll stop the Zika. You know, we'll make we'll release sterile males. We'll make them sterile. Well, what someone from the CDC told me just like last year was, we did that, but it backfired. Somehow the mosquitoes got around that mutation, and they were multiplying faster than ever. And yeah, uh, and then. <laughs> and now we have COVID. Oh my God! Uh, yeah. Oh Lord! COVID, yes. So what I did in the book was I I interviewed experts on like how do we know if this Lyme outbreak in the 60s is natural or unnatural, man-made possibly? And I talked to some experts, and so you know one of the uh, one paper that was published, which I think is fascinating if you look at it in the light of COVID, and say is COVID natural or unnatural? You know. I have these five clues on whether it's man-made. And one is, is is it a highly unusual event with large numbers of casualties? COVID, yes. Higher morbidity and morbidity than is expected. More people dead and sick than expected, yeah. An uncommon disease. Certainly that's COVID. You got the COVID toes. You lose your taste and smell. That's not the flu. And then Mm -hmm. a point source outbreak in Wuhan, you know, and then... And mm-hmm. clue number five is um, multiple epidemics, which that doesn't apply to COVID, but certainly these three tick-borne diseases around Lyme, Connecticut, and Long Island, that's, that fits the bill. You know, it just makes you think, like, how can we protect ourselves? You know, how can we, like, uh, we just had some new outbreaks of more COVID, and uh I know people are getting really sick of this, but I know friends that are going out to back out to eat and going and you know what I mean. And they've gotten sick of uh, being sick of being sick and in fear and they're going out and now the COVID is spreading faster again. Yeah, I know. It's just really scary. What do we do? Yeah. I, I mean, Transparency, uh, demand more accountability mm. in the government, uh, less yeah, black that's ops what we're budgets. About. Yeah, and then well, also is... the one, the one thing is just bioethics. There was when these this Cold War stuff was going on, there was no bioethicists there to guide people, like the equivalent of a scientific priest saying, "Oh, is it okay to release these infected ticks, you know, on the Atlantic Bird Flyway?" You might want to think about that. You know, you need someone yeah. that would do that. Well, you know, they they pride themselves on being scientists and being so intelligent. And this is what irritates me, and discovering these new things and all, you know, putting uh, these little monsters in these little, these bigger monsters of the tick. Because to me, they look like monsters. I really can't stand them. But <laughs> now I know, now I know they're part spider. No wonder, because I don't, I, I don't hate spiders. I just don't like them, but ticks. I just it makes me they make me me worried and sick, you know, thinking about them. And little did I know when I started reading this what I would learn 
about them and, and what they did, and they pride themselves on uh, their technique and all that. But that's that same old mentality that did the experimentation on the poor Jewish people during the Holocaust. You know, the same mentality, you know, it's uh, it drives me crazy. I should be crazier than I am because I'm already crazy. But this stuff, I haven't forgotten about it. I was... I was born after this whole crap started. It still uh, outrages me. How dare they do this to all these people? Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, I am still outraged, and uh, I'm glad we can talk about this, Chris, because uh, I know you share my outrage and that uh, you're personally affected by all this, but but also that uh, a lot of times your friends, your family, people don't understand you. They don't know why you carry this weird burden. But I do carry this burden, you know, of of anger and outrage. You know, yeah, I, don't I would want say to... when you have a chronic illness or someone in your family is ill. Yeah, it has so many repercussions. I mean, you. I mean, you lose money. You can't work. Yeah. Want to use a caregiver for the other, but also you lose friends because they they're healthy. They don't really understand what you're going through. Yes, that happens a lot. That's the point there. It happens a lot because a lot of stuff has happened to me, and uh, now we're like isolated, and I feel more isolated. You know, but you know, several things happen to me. I have a, a very strange. There's no blood in my blood, and they can't seem to uh, even with. Uh, giving me extra iron all that has done nothing and they they really haven't gotten back to me and just reminding me i had all these now they give you blood tests and you get these red red flags over it i have red flags over all my blood work and i keep calling the hematol the blood doctor you know i can't get it i can't even get them to call me to tell me what the results are and i'm yeah, tired healthcare, yeah healthcare is just really fractured so, I mean, the the message I on tick-borne diseases, uh, yes. I don't know what your anemia is, but with tick-borne disease, what I tell people is if you think you have a tick, if you pull out a tick from your body, save it. And there are many places to get your tick tested for free. So I would, if anyone in my family got bitten by a tick, I'd send the tick into a lab and get it tested to know what's in it because the the tests for humans right now for Lyme disease are really bad. They don't work in the first month because they're this antibody test, and a lot of times it's indirect. It's your body's response to the germ, not the actual DNA of the germ. So it doesn't work in the first month because your body hasn't mounted a defense against it yet. So test a tick. You might, and if it's if it's uh, positive for one of the 20 really bad tick-borne diseases in America, then Go to your doctor right away and try to get antibiotics early. Because uh, so, if you treat early, that's not controversial. Uh, you will go on to live a healthy life and never look back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then if you have been suffering from these weird, freaky symptoms or neurological twitches, pains that are going to your body, like find a tick expert to maybe just run some screening tests to see if you have one of these tick-borne diseases. Because why suffer if you have a disease that could easily be cured with uh, antibiotics? The thing I, I okay. always say, though, is if you have an, in, uh, infectious diseases doctor or a primary care physician that 
thinks you're annoying because you want to test for mm-hmm. it. And that's happened to my husband and I. You know, we got chronic Lyme disease because they wouldn't test me for it in the beginning. It's a super cheap test. If they had, there would never be a book or a film. But um, yeah. anyways, I mean, that's what drives me is I don't want people well, to Well, that's suffer. the divine purpose. That's the divine purpose in all of this is that you're the one person that would actually do something about it. You would, you would, uh, you have perfect training for this to be happening, you know, and uh, I don't know how they can turn you away when you're a graduate from Stanford University. They can't say you're nuts or stupid or, you know what well, I mean? Well, they did say I was I nuts. Think, I mean, it, they do, we they do. Really they treat sick. you like you're crazy. I was yeah. treated like crap by my own government. I was treated yeah. like crap until I, I said this. This is one of my last statements to whoever I was arguing with at the time. <laughs> I can't hardly I can't hardly remember their names, but I said this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go on your doorstep and scream and cry because you're all a bunch of murderers and you're not helping our <laughs> army or our men. They got upset and they did something. They the army called me. My husband couldn't believe what was going on. By the way, he holds it against me to this day. <laughs> you think he'd be grateful? Oh no. <laughs> Oh, he thinks I'm nuts because of what happened. The army called me and said, he said to me, I don't know who this gentleman was, but he was, he was definitely military. He said, the eagle has landed on your husband's head. I went, oh, my God. What does that mean? Meaning that he was okay to, to get the, the payout from the money and all that. Oh, okay. Because he was, he was it was, he, <laughs> because I, I went, you know, I was stunned. Oh, really? He said, yeah. Because I had had a dream that showed all this money, but it was it was like chips. It was like Monopoly money falling from the sky. And I told my husband, you know, I had a dream there was all this Monopoly money coming out of the sky. And it looked like Monopoly. He said, well, the money that you're given in Vietnam, to the, they give you, they don't give you American dollars. They give you chips. It's army money. They print oh, it and you use that over there. Yes. So that's what happened. One day he was screaming at me. We only had, and I saved these receipts too. We had $9.17 in the bank. $9.17. He was screaming his head off. I don't know what's wrong with you people, blah, blah, blah. Because I had faith and I think it irritated him. But anyway, and I looked at him, and I, I was think, I was praying. And I don't know if you've ever prayed hard and you look at somebody at the same time. It's very hard to accomplish. But <laughs> I was praying and looking at him in the eye, and I said, oh, I said, you know what? The money is in the bank. He looked at me and went, you are stone crazy. I said, yeah, I know I'm crazy, but the money's there. And I, I was praying to God. I said, God, I'm going out on a limb here that, uh, you know, that you're going to do this for me. So my husband left. He slammed the door and left, and he came back like an hour later. Well, what are you doing home? I thought you were – because he's a his master plumber, and uh, he, he was he – looked he was like he usually go look and do a little job, and, you know, he would make money real fast. But anyway, he said, I have to show you something. So he showed me the ATM paper. <laughs> oh, he said, oh, yeah, I know. We only have $9 to our name. I know, I know. And then he showed me the one next to it, $27,000, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> That was a lot of money. They had direct deposit. There was a huge amount of money then. They hmm. put it straight into his account, and he, the, he gave me such a peculiar look that uh, 
I don't understand working with people like that. I think what they are is like they're just antagonizers. They don't. They 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 really are gr- like grinders. I used to call myself a grinder. I don't understand. Instead of looking for a solution or being happy, why you just keep grinding, grinding and grinding? You know what I mean? I guess because yeah. they're miserable. You know, and they, he's miserable to this day. So well, I just think everybody has sort of their own lesson to learn in this lifetime, a, a life path, yes. and you, yes. it, it's different than yours. So you just have to say, okay, if they're a grinder, they're going to have to grind in the next <laughs> lifetime. Go, they're going to be grinding, you know, it's a, yeah. it's, it's so strange. But to, but I, I that my peculiar tact and a little knack of dealing with really harsh people deal with actually made me a good counselor because I could see yeah. them come in. I could, I could read them fast so they could read me and it's quite startling to them because people are wildly like coyotes. If you're in this federal system and you're a criminal, you're pretty damn smart. You didn't, you're not smart enough not to get caught, but you work the, you work the system like a coyote. You know what I mean? But I can, I'm even on top of that. And it taught me, uh, a little more to be and straightforward, you know, because I was actually taught you have to look down, defer to men. You know, I had one foot back in the ancient history, I guess, and I don't know if it was my culture, you know, on my that side of my family. My mom's parents are from Greece, and but they have really old country ways, you know. Mm-hmm. But there's a time when you have to look people straight in the face and say, you know, you're wrong. You know, this is the way, it, and, and you you specifically have a story to tell that's so important. Look how it all matched, and how even you talking to me, how bizarre that is. I know. With it's, so, it's so weird. Connection. Yes. Yeah, I know. Strange. But hopefully, I mean, someone out there is suffering will look at my film and go, oh, I have that, and hopefully get healthy again that's which right. is what it's, it's all called about under under our skin and it's uh available on amazon so you can rent it if you have amazon prime which i do so i'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and rent it and also her book is so fascinating bitten this tell us the whole title of your book please bitten the secret history of lyme disease and biological weapons and you can reach uh, Chris at www.chrisnewby.com. And uh, they, you can buy your book directly from you. You can find it on Amazon because I found it on Amazon too. And I don't know who else is selling it, but it's very Bar- worthwhile. Barnes and Noble, it's audio and Kindle too. So however you like to listen to books. In COVID time, a lot of times audio is good. Yeah, it is. And uh, especially the the uh, – you can listen on the run if you get it on your iPhone. You could just, uh, you know, to me right now you have to educate yourself. You know, we really uh, can't be stupid anymore. We can't, you know, I'm unfortunately a lot less patriotic as of, let's say, it started happening to me maybe two or three months ago that I realized all that the deception is so innate in our in what's happening in our government, I lost I lost my patriotism. 
I, and I'm sorry to say that, but I've been a Patriot. I've been born in Boston. You know, believe me, I'm a Patriot. I love the Red Sox still. <laughs> you know, I'm in California, but you know what I mean? So you have this certain pride and everything. I went out the window. I don't have it anymore. I don't want to believe well, in something I, that's I false. I don't know. I'm just still, I'm still optimistic that uh, one person can make a difference in a, a small way. So uh, For sure. I still think we have the best country in in the world, but Listen, you have to work at it. You can't this. take it for granted. I think we've lately taken some things for granted. I think you're absolutely right, and uh, we've come to the end of our hour, and I, it's been lovely having you on the show. Um, well, so great. I'm did, so glad to make this connection, Shar. It's been really I know. I can't believe it. I'm, I really have to process our connection because uh, – Another case of a divine intervention and uh, synchronicity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, good luck this so, week. Thank <laughs> I'm, you. I'm good hoping luck. things good, settle good out. Good luck to you. Yeah, because we have, that's right. We don't, we don't know who is going to be our president at this point. We do see that, you know, it's going uh, blue so far, but I don't know. Who knows? I don't I don't trust the process anymore, but I know that it's a process. I'm gonna go along with it. But, yeah. you know, I don't think any, I I don't think anybody's perfect and you know, whatever it's gonna be, it's gonna be. I hope it gets better. Me too. Me too. People quit fighting in the streets. Jeez, it's just like the sixties all over again. I don't know if people remember it then, but people are acting like they're so in shock going, No, I remember where they're torching everything back in the sixties. At my yeah. my school I went to, they lit fires every lunch period. So, <laughs> was that in Torrance? It was, no, Morningside High School, Inglewood. Oh, okay. I was in I was in the rough neighborhood, so we had you know riots every lunch period. That was that was the entertainment, you know. So it's happening again. It looks and feels the same way, but I hope we learn this time. You know, I hope that, uh, you know, everybody, I want everybody to go get your book because we're talking about secret stuff going on that had really did happen. And I believe her. So please go get Chris Newby's book. And I want to thank you once again for being on our show because uh, we're going to get ready to go on another tangent and you need to go eat. It's not time for dinner and rest. So, yeah. you know. All right. Well, um, okay, have a care, good Chris. rest of your show and you talk too. to you soon. God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye, Chris. So that was Chris Newby, um, wonderful lady, uh, author. And get the documentary, Under Our Skin. It's all about the... all about this tick situation, and uh, it was a 2010 Oscar semifinal, so, you know, uh, this is uh, really good. Also, go get her book, Bitten. And it has a cool cover. I like the art of it. And the way she writes, she was really specifically going into what this bug does, how it digs in and bleeds you out. It's just pretty disgusting. But I'm telling you, it's a awesome book by an awesome woman who has taken the courage to tell her story and how she suffered on account of uh, this tick-borne illness. You know, it's a real deal. Uh, and it's and we have a few outbreaks going on right now. I noticed back east, and I, I think there was an outbreak in 
Pennsylvania. I was reading about it, and I'm sorry, I don't know what state it was. But anyway, so what I do is I wish all of you a great week. May the best man win on our, you know, we actually don't know who's president, uh, you know, because people can't count. I don't know what's going on with that. Why can't people count? Just count them. I don't know. If it, it, I don't. I don't understand why it has to be such a big deal. Just sit there. I'll go count them. Tell me where to go. I'll go start counting. But I, I noticed that they have machines doing it, or you have to man the machines. And Nevada was. I uh, see. I don't know what the news is in the last couple hours, but Nevada Nevada was lallygagging. So they're having uh, bingo. I don't know. Gambling? I don't know what they're doing. They're not. They're not counting. Anyway, please, everybody, count up. Count. You count. Thank you, all you voters that came out and voted. This is this is the America process, really. Is we get to vote and we get to have a say. And this is what's happening. And it's been on the news, but it's the same thing over and over. And uh, this one little kid made a comment and said. Um, uh, why are you still watching the map show? Because <laughs> it keeps showing the maps of uh, the blue and the red, and the kids are observing this, and they don't know what the hell we're doing and why are we intently watching the map show. <laughs> but that's what we're doing. So anyway, God bless you all, and I want to thank our our illustrious guest tonight, Chris Newby, uh, and God bless her and her family, and I'm glad she's well, and she'll help others with her story. And I do appreciate you very much, and I thank all my listeners, and I want to – let's see. I wonder if Chris Cordell – I'm going to do his song one more time. It's, a, it's his his uh, new CD that's out, and so I'm going to play it and then uh, let you hear what he has going on because uh, I, I really – he's a great, cool guy. Uh, gorgeous voice, and he's from Scotland, and uh, he's been running uh, his little uh, – he's taking all these adventures all over Scotland, and uh, especially my favorite island, Iona, and he shows pictures and does the music. Anyway, so here, here's from Ray Cordell. Hi, this is Ray Cordell, and I'd like to invite you to check out my new album, The Long Road, which is out on Friday, the 20th of November, 2020. Now, it's a compilation album, a best of, if you like, and it features 18 original tracks written by myself over the years. So, if you'd like a copy, it's out everywhere from that date, on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, YouTube Music, Spotify, everywhere, or there's also a limited number of CDs available. If you'd like a CD, a signed CD, maybe, you can message me via Ray Cordell Music on Facebook or via this page. So get in contact and I hope you enjoy it. In the meantime, keep on rocking. Cheers. Okay, thanks, Ray. Here's Ray Cordell, One Life. From 
I'm allergic but I just can't let you go Cause the feelings that I have for you were planted From the moment that I saw your beauty shining I just knew that you're the one, the one I love You're the stars, the moon and all that lives around me But you're gone and my heart will never feel the same So I wrote this song, I hope you think about me But where are you now? Can't you feel my pain? But hold on, I just need to live my life goes on. I have beauty around me, and now I finally found it. That's just one last man you really need to take it. But please don't fake it, or make it last and take it. But within me, I've been deep and fade away. 
Okay, that was Ray Cordell's One Life from his album Long Road. And now from the same album, we're going to play Ray Cordell's Trapped, the Long Road album. Here we go. Cordell for his awesome music. You can find him just about anywhere. The Long Road album, you can go to raycordell.com and you can listen to it on YouTube. 
Apple Music, iHeart, anywhere you listen to music. But you can go ahead and go buy it at raycordell.com. And I thank you, Ray, for everything that you've done for our show. We really appreciate it. We'd like to thank our guest, Chris Newby, once again, for her thoughtful and insightful documentary, Under Our Skins, and her book, Bitten. And we appreciate all the work she's done and um, that all of it is amounting to something. And we really need to watch out for the bugs. Anyway. Happy politicking and everything else, and I'm not talking about that again. But anyway, so I'll tell you next week we'll have a, new, a president, a new one or an old one. So see you later, guys. Love you. Bye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to – has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.